Hello and welcome to this episode of The Gaming Podcast, the official podcast of Gaming Magazine. You can check out more from Gaming Magazine by visiting GamingMag.com. That's G-A-Y-M-I-N-G Mag.com. And remember, new episodes of The Gaming Podcast come out every two weeks. If you're new to the podcast, please click subscribe so you don't miss another episode. A quick shout out to our newest patrons, Stephanie Knight and the wonderfully nicknamed A Teddy Bear. Uh, so we have A Teddy Bear as a patron of Gaming Magazine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, you can become a patron of Game Magazine and benefit from loads of exclusive content, competitions, and so much more. Just head to patreon.com forward slash gaming mag. Later in the show, I'll be joined by video game artist Anna Hollenrake to talk about her art, career, and lockdown life. But first, to talk about games we've been playing and news we've been reading, uh, I'm joined by everyone's favourite streamer, Mia, and video game PR boy, Luke. How are you both? I'm doing really good. Yeah. Hi. Thanks for having me on again. How are you? Welcome back. <laughs> How's things, Luke? Hi. Yeah. Not too bad. Just typical lockdown woes, but <laughs> getting through it as best we can, video game style, exactly. I think. Yeah. Lockdown life. <laughs> Every day the same. Everything <laughs> a constant. Day? What's a day? <laughs> no, nothing changes. They're all, they're yeah, all the same, is, aren't they? On a, yeah, honestly, it just feel like time has kind of like expanded like small periods of time just like feel like forever now which is odd um like i feel like this started months ago like six months ago or something and it's literally only been like a month of lockdown or something like that right so uh, i think it's i think we're in our sixth week here in the uk i should say obviously um if, you, if think... you're in the US, you might be in your first day of lockdown, or you might be free by now. Yeah. We're not quite sure. Who knows? <laughs> um, congratulations. Or still protesting. <laughs> yeah. or, or out there waving your little yeah. flags. Um, yeah, well. Yeah, quite. We'll leave that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, t- uh, I, I was talking to someone the other day about uh, when I met up with them in London, and it felt like I was talking about a lifetime ago, but it was literally February. Mm. Um because of course I was, it was the same. It was the same. It was a day after Luke. I was at um, Murder by Numbers's launch with you, actually, in in yes. London, which also mm-hmm. feels like an absolute lifetime. <laughs> it's I know. literally a few, that, literally that was a handful of weeks ago. Off, it, it, it was, it was, it was yeah. while it had kicked off. In a sense, that I was walking around London with sort of um, hand gel and stuff in my pocket, um, but it mm. wasn't kicked off to the sort of extent that we were officially social distancing or anything else but it, it was in that period of time of like do we handshake or do we fist bump or do we sort of butt heads or what is the sort of thing that you do now <laughs> so, I, liked if, I, mean, um, I saw them doing like the uh the the foot tap on social media a yes. while back and that always seemed like a, a good choice I I think I greeted someone in the bar with two elbows and two feet taps all at the same time. Not not necessarily at the same time, but in in. Sequence. That's impressive if um, they can do it at the same time. <laughs> yeah, some elaborate Russian dance. Uh, Sounds like a secret code to get into a, yeah, exactly. a secret bar or something. It's like touch elbows, touch toes, and then you can go through. <laughs> there are, there are various bars in London. We have to touch your toes, actually, aren't there? Anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh, so our opening segment let's quickly change the subject our opening segment uh, as always is called what's in your slot oh god i haven't changed the topic at all um this is where i ask each guest to talk about the games they've been playing recently now 
I'm going to kick off. Uh, it seems like we're talking about the same thing uh, every podcast. So welcome to the Animal Crossing section of the podcast. Animal Crossing um, cast, let's go. <laughs> uh, 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 yes, exactly. Pod Crossing or Animal Podcast or I don't know, whatever. Um, the good news is I finished it. Um, but Wait, I finished, hold I mean... on. <laughs> you finished it. What do you mean you finished it? You okay. can't finish okay. Animal Crossing. Officially, I finished it because I got credit scrolling. Oh, the okay, right. So KK Slider came to visit. All right. Yeah. So, so KK KK came. Oh, I've got to be careful. You say that one. <laughs> KK Slider came to Animal Crossing uh, to my island of Alcatraz um, and sat and gave his um, gave his rendition of what's basically going to only be described as eighties screaming. Um. And uh, and yeah, then I had a credit roll, um, and I was like, okay, that's me done. But then they unlocked a load of more things I had to do, and I was like, oh god. Yeah, technically, this is where the real game begins now. Yes, exactly. Yeah, now that, that you have terraforming, <laughs> which is uh, somewhat terrifying, actually. Um, yeah, I... I haven't got the terraforming yet, and I haven't got the river thing yet. I've only got path laying. Oh. Um, Wait, so I know that... you can go and buy that stuff though, right? I can. Yeah, but you need Nook Miles. Wait, you don't have Nook Miles? How do you not have Nook Miles? All right, Miles? Jesus. I've, I've got like... I've got like 30,000 of them sitting in, the, sitting in the account. Nook Miles. I only ever have like about 2,000 at a yeah. time. I, I just go and spend them. Well, that's the problem. I don't Spending save. them, yeah. Have you not been doing your dailies? Like, your, uh, your little uh, achievement uh, tasks? Yeah, the odd, the, the odd one or two. I'm, 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 your, your work before... I'm yeah. obviously doing this wrong. <laughs> A little bit, a little bit. I, Some, I, I saw I saw the screen of someone the other day, and they had like a hundred thousand bells, and I've got like about twenty. Mm. But I think it's because I'm being diligent and paying stuff off. Yeah. So. So I'm on. I think I'm currently on three and a half million bells. Oh my in god, my she's bank. flush. What can I say? What can I say? <laughs> so it's turnips. Get on that. That's stonk market, you know? Yeah. Ah, so this oh. this is the first time that I'm trying this. And again, this is probably me, obviously, not engaging with this properly. But um, I bought a load of stalks on Sunday, uh, turnips on Sunday, I should say. Um, and I'm now checking back on a sort of daily basis to see, to see who's got good good, uh, good rates. Mm. But so currently I've had 99, 110, and 60-something. So Well, surely you should be utilising the uh, gaming magazine Discord for that well yes to, we should shouldn't we? to uh just just put like a an animal crossing turnip section and just have, get everybody <laughs> yes. to list list their prices have you seen um like on social <laughs> media like people will literally like open up their towns if they get a good price which is awesome and then there's the other people who will say oh you can come and sell your turnips here but you have to give me like 10 percent, or you have to like drop down 50 nook mile tickets or something like that like they're just people taking advantage of those situations you know which is a capital capitalism yeah. comes to animal crossing mm-hmm. well with tom but no capitalism was always an animal oh, crossing no, the, ra- the racketeering raccoon um did you see the, the the orlando bloom um thing regarding turnips orlando um bloom. no Tell me. Orlando yeah, Bloom. as in, no, not sorry, not Orlando Bloom. Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. No, I did see that. Elijah yeah. Wood, not Orlando. Yeah. Oh. Sorry, they got they got mixed up in my head of attractive short people. <laughs> um, no, Elijah Wood <laughs> with his um, coming to someone's island and being like the most polite person ever. Yeah. Asking permission to pick some fruit and oh, it's just an absolute sort of like heart melting sort of moment. Incredibly in, wholesome. Yes. In in lockdown, 
Um, so, and of course, now with Animal Crossing, we've we've got the new update, which has now brought new things on, like animal uh, art and uh, more natural stuff and hedges and that sort of thing as well. So, it's not over. Obviously, I'm joking, but I it's it seems slightly shady now. You get taken onto some stranger's boat to go and look at some art. Well, Red, Red's always been a little bit uh, shady. It's kind of the uh, his character. I know if you could need to delve into the lore and the backstory between Tom Nook <laughs> and Red. Oh my God, there's there's stuff there. I won't I won't spoil that for anybody. But like in, in prior games, if you were talked to certain characters for long enough, they would fill you in on mm. like the character's backstory and that Nook and uh, Red have a history together, a supposed history. R- romantic. Yeah. Maybe it's possible. <laughs> Could be his ex-husband. Oh. You don't know. <laughs> I, I wow. saw something on um, on. I think it was on Tumblr, but obviously now it's clean Tumblr. Um, but I saw something on Tumblr. Um, no feminine was... presenting nipple Tumblr. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> with um, sorry, it completely thrown me. <laughs> <laughs> Which had a, uh, a sort of like a cartoon. That was it. So panels of a cart of a comic. Um, mm. of Red on his boat uh, talking to someone on the shore about his ex and how his ex is becoming a good shot or something and then a bullet hole appears behind his head and there's Tom Nook in the bushes with a sniper rifle. <laughs> um, but but there you go. Obviously, there's there's good fun there. The extension of canon. Yeah, I, I mean, love it's, it. it's getting sort of... It's getting... But, but what's interesting is that the sort of... We, I think we, we reported on a story uh, a couple of weeks ago about this where... Um, the two characters that are sort of occasionally wander around with fishing and bug catching, um, they they sort of seem to suggest quite heavily about being partners and all this sort of stuff. But then in the beautifully Japanese kind of way, they just walked it back to sort of meaning, oh, we're just roommates. Yeah. And it's like, so, my first boyfriend was called a roommate to my parents ooh. as well. So, I mean, it's the same thing, <laughs> surely, isn't it? That's uh, Flick and CJ, right? Is it Flick? Yeah, that's so, the yeah. one, yeah. 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 I mean, my head canon, they're, they're, total, they're totally into each other. In, Absolutely. In every possible way. So. Yes, with all the fishing and the bugs and everything else. Exactly. Um, right, so that's the Animal Crossing bit done. Uh, and the other one I want to talk about that I've been playing... Now, I apologise in advance, because um, this is obviously not uh, on brand with LGBT video gaming, uh, is sports. Um, I have a weird, weird, slight fascination uh, with cricket. Um, and I've been playing... I, I downloaded Cricket 19 for the Nintendo Switch, which, on hindsight, was a waste of £35, um, because <laughs> it's the glitchiest game ever. But the fun of it is the fact that nobody's been able to make a good cricket game. And I, there's been countless number of attempts. There's been loads of different football games, golf games, rugby games, everything. But nobody can make a damn good cricket game, which annoys me. Um, but part of the fun now, my partner sort of said, he, he saw me playing it. And it's like, how on earth could you even put up with playing that game? Because it's just glitching constantly. And it's sort of... What kind of glitches me, are we talking here, though? Like... Uh, uh, are they the fun glitches or are they just the terrible appalling, glitches? Terrible, sort of appalling, terrible, appalling, yeah. There's literally sort of stuttering animations mm. and the sort of, you're meant to literally be holding a bat or a ball and it's not quite in the hand and it's all this sort of um, just poor, poor sort of animation style. And obviously the, the engine is trying its best with a Switch, but it just ain't working or something. I, I haven't played it on mm. console, so I don't know quite what the port's like. But I suspect it's because obviously cricket isn't the most popular of sports, 
I'm not even going to try and explain it to our American listeners. It's like baseball, but sort of upright. Um, and <laughs> it's it's sort of it, it's obviously hasn't got the money behind it like football or or whatever does have. Anyway, look, that's my little. I, I, yeah. We've got to desperation levels of um, of of lockdown, and I'm playing sports games. Um, anyone else play any sports games? How how does it, <laughs> uh, how does a cricket game work? Doesn't it? Because in real life, obviously, it takes like hours. Yes. Right. So do they condense it down? Uh, well, I suppose like it's... FIFA or whatever, that doesn't take a full oh, 90 minutes. Is that how long soccer takes? I don't know. <laughs> In fact, you called it soccer as well. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, I mean, but bear in mind with, with that, it's very time-based, whereas cricket can be a lot more open-ended. Um, if you play your game as... Um, a, in a career mode you literally play as your one character and so if you're coming in to bat that's you you play you then play that but then the second you're out that's it it just suddenly simulates the rest of the game uh anyway look i apologize for being so straight and talking about sports no, uh, no I, I have also played a sports ball game have you um, it was it was several years back uh on the on oh, well the, okay so on the recently, Wii. But... i think i was a me <laughs> And like I was, I think it was baseball. I think that was the last sports ball game oh, okay. that I played. Does oh, we sports, does sports count as a sports game? Of obviously, course, it obviously does. it's about Come a sport, on. but uh, is it's it about actual... multiple sports. Well, yeah, true, multiple. Mm-hmm. But is, but it's not sort of. I, I guess in a way, like I, I guessing at some point we've all played a, a Wii Sports style game. I'm it, guessing so. It, yeah. Even if it's like Mario and Sonic's Tokyo Olympics, which actually is not bad. It's I've heard that's that good, yeah. I like that it's game. It's actually not bad at all. I love The problem games. is now it's out of date, because obviously it's based on the Olympics that's <laughs> so not happening this year. But there you go. Someone has to go and take some Tipex to your box and put 21 on the front of it rather than 2020. <laughs> that's an interesting situation, actually. With, like, with uh, the... Has there ever been a game released for an event yeah. that hasn't happened didn't happen. or was delayed? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. It, it could be a collector's item. Mm. I mean, like... Because my partner, um, I, I don't know if everyone's, this is going completely off topic and I apologise, but um, they, have you heard about the whole Cooking Mama um, debacle? I heard about that, yeah. Right. Yes, so, I love that. Uh, yeah, so for, to fill everyone in really quickly, uh, there's two people, two companies involved. One of them hated the game uh, and one of them wanted to rush it out. Um, and the one that's responsible for the distribution in Europe basically took a load of copies that they already had uh, physical copies and sent them out to stores and got them out on sale. Whereas mm-hmm. the company based in Japan, who wasn't happy about it, they pulled it from the uh, Nintendo eShop because uh, they were in charge of digital distribution. So there's only a handful of actual copies, physical copies of the game in existence. And my partner has one. He actually wow. ordered it and bought it um, because this is a game that is completely unfinished. It's completely crap by all accounts. Um, and we'll never ever see the light of day now because there's been so much disagreement about it um but we now have a copy that's still sealed up that's sat on our bookshelf um that we're hoping that's we can amazing. put onto ebay in a few years time for a few hundred quid but but that's oh so you're not gonna try no, it why would you try it, it? <laughs> we're gonna keep it wrapped up it's like this, I, this is like train collecting i need the oh, experience no. this is like hobbyists collecting all their sort of boxes of trains and cars and stuff but leave them in the box because the second you take it out of the box or you take the wrapper off then it's much less value mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, you could probably get wow. the same experience with that game just watching uh, gameplay on YouTube yes. or something like that. Yeah, so. a, a quick Google of it will sort of tell you all the crap that you need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't feel in it. <laughs> like, it's my experience. <laughs> well, it depends I want, if that's the experience that you want. I don't get the you know, collector's like, things, though. So. Yeah, if, if you heard, want shit yeah, experiences, then... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes that can be fun, though. Like, some janky, terrible games. It's like really bad movies sometimes. You just enjoy do you remember it. when, I think it was the last, and apologies in advance, 2K, because I'm going to drop you in it, but do you remember when, the, I think it was last year's W wrestling game from 2K came out? Hmm. Um, 2K19 wow. or something. And it was so appallingly glitchy where, like, characters had their jaws out over to the right-hand side or something, or their feet melted into the floor or... <laughs> Um, like their arms came apart or something. Um, that they, I'm guessing they were under pressure license wise. They had to release it, but in in a stroke of absolute PR genius, um, they actually sort of like parodied themselves and challenged everyone to send in their funniest glitch and that sort of thing. And I'm like the the nerve to even release a crappy game and then follow it up with a sort of self-deprecating competition to find the shittest sh- shot yeah. from that game. I was, yeah, <laughs> Show I mean, us how that, bad a, we did. Let's go. That's an absolute touch of genius, to be honest with you. Um, mm. But yeah. Yeah, you have to admire it. Just the, 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 the balls to do it. It's like, wow, you really did that. And that game, from what I saw, was truly terrible. But it was almost like so bad that... I wanted that's to play it. it. And I, I think I that's like, what they kind of what? embraced. It just looks fun. I, I think that's what they kind of embraced in the end. It's like mm-hmm. they, they didn't get away with a wrestling game, but they got something iconic, but not necessarily in the way they were kind of hoping it to be iconic. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, um, so that's my sort of uh, gameplay updates. Uh, Mia, what have you been? What have you been playing? Um, well, I've been uh, I've been doing a lot of Animal Crossing, but we've uh, we've kind of like talked that into the ground for a bit, and uh, <laughs> I know there's going to be more talking about it, so I'm going to skip over to uh, the other things that I've been playing. Um, a few weeks back, I played Resident Evil Three, nice. which was basically almost exactly the same experience as Resident Evil Two, which is fantastic, but uh, Resident Evil Three is extremely disappointing, unfortunately. Mm. Like the gameplay's there, it's great. Um, you get all the same kind of like zombie interactions. They've added some new systems to the game in terms of like this dodge mechanic. Uh, you've got Nemesis in there now, which is chasing you down. But unfortunately, he's not as cool as Mr. X, who chased you down in Resident Evil 2. There's a lot of like set pieces in there that just makes it feel very like closed off and, and kind of isolated. You don't have this huge, massive open area to explore. Uh, have, have either of you played any of the, the recent Resident Evils? Um, I haven't. I'll be honest. Okay, so no, usually with Resident so Evil, pretty really lonely yeah. conversation. I apologize. <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, usually with Resident <laughs> Evil, um, there's like one main open area to explore, and it's kind of I call it kind of like puzzle box style gameplay, where you're like um, solving a puzzle to get access to different parts to solve another puzzle and progress through that kind of, of system, like you would solve a puzzle box, for instance. Um, but with Resident Evil Two, you had this entire police station to explore. In Resident Evil 3, there's, like, one really small area of, of Raccoon City outdoors. And and then you're kind of sent off on this, like, linear, very, very short path. Um, the game was over within... kind of, I've completed it in nine hours, and I was taking my time, like, trying to take everything in. But, um, like, the original... I probably finished that in, like, uh, 10 to 12 hours the first playthrough, just because I'm going through extremely slowly. Mm-hmm. Um 
but this this one just just felt very underwhelming compared to the the love and attention that went into the the remake of Resident Evil Two. There is like areas missing that were in the original title that don't even show up in this game. Bosses missing, and it seems like it was kind of like rushed out the door almost. Even though I was going to say, so do you think that they well. sort of sorry do, do you think they sort of farmed it out? just to sort of hit a, a a retail cycle i i feel i feel like yeah i feel like with the success of like resident evil 2 um because that was massively successful for capcom they just jumped mm. on board say okay we have to get resident evil 3 out next year and then just like let's put all of our money into remakes because now apparently there's rumors or it's confirmed that they're going to be remaking resident evil 4 as well which doesn't need a remake as far as i'm concerned um, because that game is is pretty good. If you're going to remake anything, remake Code Veronica, because that game badly needs a remake. <laughs> it's uh, not great. Um, but yeah, it just seems like they, it was a bit of a cash cow for them, and they're like, mm. well, we can release Resident Evil 3. Uh, there's not as much content, but we'll throw in this multiplayer mode that I haven't even touched. Like, there's this um, resistance mode, which is, I think it's been, meant to be a little bit like uh, Left 4 Dead or Dead by Daylight or yeah, something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where it's like asynchronous, oh. is asynchronous? asymmetrical uh, gameplay. So one of you is the overlord mm-hmm. kind of bad guy sending monsters at people. And the uh, the rest of you are like survivors trying to get out. Mm-hmm. But I've heard that was like marred with connectivity issues and like all kinds of uh, not, not, not great things. So I didn't touch it. But um. Other than that, I've been playing Final Fantasy VII, which, as far as, like, remakes go, that is a complete other direction. That is, like, it's fantastic. Not perfect, but it, it's fantastic. I don't know if anybody else has been playing um, Final Fantasy VII. So, I think I'm about to publicly shame myself, but I have <clears throat> never played a Final Fantasy game in my life. Same here. I know. Oh my god! All right. <laughs> uh, finally, a, this, I've met someone else. This is a really shitty podcast, and I apologise to Mia for not backing <laughs> for not backing her up in any of her gameplay choices. Mm. <laughs> but no, I'm. I, I mean, from from what I've seen, it looks fantastic. Yeah. So, that, well, I yeah. mean, I, I guess that's a question. Like, what, have you never felt are, are those games that you don't really connect with, or have you never felt the urge to like give anything a go, or? So, I, for me, I think for me, um, m- from a lot of people my age, I feel like Final Fantasy was the kind of, as you were growing up, you, you kind of grew with the series and kind of like each one of the new games would come out. You'd be like, oh, it's like the new one and the new one. I was a bit more interested in Western RPGs. So I, uh, along the lines of like Baldur's Gate, um, Knights of the Old Republic, that sort of side mm. of gaming and i think i think it might have honestly just been turn-based like turn-based rpgs for me just don't cut i'm not that interested which i mean when i talk about the game that i've been playing at the moment uh, <laughs> a little later it'll kind of contradict what i'm saying but um I've, i was never really into them and i think that's what put me off final fantasy and i kind of just assumed i didn't uh, honestly it was more on me i should have being more open to playing the rest of them and not just tarring them with the same brush. Because then I got Final Fantasy 15 and I was like, this isn't even turn-based. What's going on? <laughs> when did they start not being turn-based? And then um, as far as I'm aware, 7 isn't turn-based. No, no. actually the uh, combat system is is very interesting because you can um, 
play it in a couple of different ways. Um, you can actually kind of, it harkens back to that turn-based style, so it's an actual action uh, character game. So you're going in, you're doing your, your slashy slashes, uh, but then at any time you can pause the gameplay, which is super cool, mm -hmm. and then access your command menu. And so you can pick out specific spells or specific abilities that you want to use, and all are like visually stunning and, and, and fantastic. Um, alternatively, if that's not your style, you can kind of do a kind of Kingdom Hearts-esque thing where you uh, take some of these commands and then you like quick set them to like um, a hot bar. So you can just press a button combination and then instantly do that during gameplay. So it gives you the option of pausing the gameplay and playing it more like a traditional turn-based uh, RPG. Or, um, or you can just go ahead mm. and just like assign anything you like and, and, and use your commands on the fly. Personally, like I'm, I'm really into like taking in my surroundings. Like if you watch any gameplay of me, I literally just like pause gameplay. I'm like, <laughs> okay, what do I do here now? What's the situation? I, who, what's everybody doing? Are they, have they got their ATB up? Because you have to like use um, actions and commands in order to, uh, well, you have to attack in order to get your ATB bar filled so you can mm -hmm. use commands. Because that fills over time, otherwise. So, yeah, that's a whole, it's uh, a whole shebang there. I was just gonna say, um, I do think I, I do find it quite interesting that uh, this kind of become um, almost two communities around turn-based and non-turn-based. Where if something's turn-based or not turn-based, let's say, it becomes like a big issue for a lot of people. Like, um, I, I suppose more recently, well, not not so recent, but um, with Baldur's Gate three, there was such a massive hoo-ha about is this turn-based? Mm. Oh, is it going to be real-time? Mm. And then when it came out that obviously the game is turn-based, like in that kind of um, XCOM or Divinity style, so many people were angry. And I'm I was I'm a massive fan of that series, um, so I can kind of attest to how it was. But I'm also very aware that that game is very old. <laughs> it's like 20 years old. And I just think I, I never personally get the the defensive kind of territorial nature with people like it's changed it's got this slight difference so it's it's so awful and i'm like why can't we just why can't we just enjoy it like no matter what the medium is you can find a way to enjoy it i think, sure. I think people I, th I think you're absolutely right I, th I think people should just take a game for what it is um i think for me i'm i'm i haven't i haven't played much turn-based and that's not me saying that i don't like playing turn-based I kind of prefer free-flowing action. Um, mm -hmm. But I spoke on the last podcast about um, falling in love with uh, Mario and Rabbids. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and that's turn-based. That's a completely turn-based strategy uh, game. But it's, That's it's like that, their um, XCOM, isn't it? Yeah, basically, like, yeah. It's, it's, it's Ubisoft's crack at a Nintendo game that Nintendo kind of wished they did, I imagine. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's something that I, I was really sort of interested in. And it's interesting what you say, Luke, about there is there does seem to be this like people just don't play a game because oh my god it's turn-based i can't possibly play this game it's like it, it's probably worth a go that's just my own sort of naivety yeah. i guess but, but there you go i i will say that if you're if you're worried about like um turn-based stuff like this remake is as far from that as possible so if you're looking to get mm -hmm. into final fantasy uh this is probably the best entry point like it's the most lavish um gorgeous game that I've mm. ever played. Okay. Like some like the environments are are absolutely fantastic. There's a bit of a weird like 
texture errors sometimes. And I think that's just down to Unreal Engine being the driving force behind it. Um, but other than that, like they've lovingly created like every single environment. It's kind of been extended a little bit because it seems like there's a bunch of padding in there. So like they created um, like a mini dungeon out of two screens of pre-rendered <laughs> backgrounds from the original. So, but I've been incredibly enjoying it. And again, if you if you want to get into Final Fantasy, this is like the best starting point because it's probably the most accessible gameplay style mm. that I've ever played. Um, there's a bunch of tutorials, uh, which will definitely ease you into like the combat and stuff as well. So if good. you like third person action games, um, it's definitely worth okay. playing. And, um, and from what I gather, it's, it's the opposite from uh, resident evil three where they strip out and, and simplify, uh, they have really packed this out. Um, yeah, and yeah, there's, there's so I much. Think we, we reported on something yesterday, I think about how the, the, developers honestly don't even know how many games this is, this is even going to turn into um because obviously the original came out on was it two discs three discs um yeah. and this one's i think you play like all the whole the whole game gets you through like the first couple of chapters yeah so this whole game is up to um it's, it's literally just the midgar section of the first game mm. which i think was like half of the first disc wow. in the original final fantasy 7 so um it's like every single like what i said before like they turn two screens into a mini dungeon yeah. it seems like every single sequence or, or or route in the original game in midgar is now its own uh chapter there's <laughs> there is one sequence where you just have to get from one location to another and they've turned it into this entire like uh, like trash filled corridor with these robot arms with this puzzle that just drove me insane and at that point I just thought this this is a little bit much they've kind of <laughs> one one piece of environment in the original in the background has been turned into this entire game where you have to lift a character up move them over to one spot so then you can pick up crates and put them down so you can progress into the next area and it's just that kind of broke me a little bit I was just like <laughs> I, I, th this doesn't need to be in the game it just feels it, it it's just a little bit much but um other than those like small little bits of just thinking like there's a lot of there's a lot of yeah. padding here there it's it's been a really good experience so far and they're kind of like recontextualizing the story of the original two so it's not a straightforward remake there is some interesting stuff story-wise mm. going on so if you haven't played the original you'll still be able to get into it uh some parts may be a little bit confusing like during a cutscene a character that's from the later part of the original game shows up for like a split second and um it's this it's this cat um this is this random humanized uh kind of like small cats like if you hadn't played the original you'd be thinking who the heck is this character <laughs> and why have i seen them for a split second that makes no sense whatsoever it's cute but, um, like little in jokes for sort of fans of the series then isn't it that if they just yeah. sort of a little nudge nudge kind of there there is so much there because they've kind of like implemented stuff from outside of the original final fantasy because there was um a few years back now and i think it was the mid 2000s they released the compilation of final fantasy 7 which was a whole range of different games that were either like sequelized or like mm -hmm. um prequels to the actual game and like all the references and world building that was done during that has kind of been brought into this remake too so it's kind mm. of like canonized all that which has been super interesting to uh, take a look at so if you want to get into it like this is the game this is nice. like i can't think of a better final fantasy game to actually play good at this point good recommendation then um 
Luke, what have you been playing? So in terms of um, good entry points to series, 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 um, I've just started to delve into Persona 5 Royale. Um, Royal? Royal, yeah. not Royale. I keep thinking, because everything is a <laughs> battle royale. <laughs> so my mind instantly kind of goes there. Um, yeah, Persona 5 Royal. Um, and so that is that is a turn-based game, and I've been uh, quite enjoying it. Um, yeah, it's it's been interesting. Just because I'm not used to JRPGs or how they tend to work, and it's been kind of eye-opening for me, because I know as well there's such like a massive following and community and people are obsessed with it and trying to get into it has been at first is a little like oh everyone seems to know everything and i kept asking people who played like oh what about this and they're like oh yeah you unlock this and then you get this and then oh also watch out for this and this and this and i was like whoa okay this is a lot more complicated than i thought um but i found it um i found it to be quite quite a nice entry point um and i think i think once i'm finished with it which i think i know that game is like I think someone's told me it's like 200 hours long. It's like silly, Gosh. but we'll see how far I get. Oh, perfect for um, I'm like, <laughs> a th- I'm a third of the way through, I think. Um, so we'll see how far it takes me. And then I think once I'm done with it, I'll be moving on to Final Fantasy VII Remake, just because it's another one of those games, which like I said, it's I've never got into it before and I'd quite like to experience it just because honestly, I'm just getting a little bit of FOMO. Yeah. Like, well, everyone else is having fun. Yeah. <laughs> why? Why can't I have this fun? Maybe I should just check it out. Um, and I'm also trying to. I'm adopting like a sort of. Um, I suppose New Year's resolution. Though I definitely didn't set it for myself. Of trying to try new games, games that I wouldn't otherwise play. I'm really trying to be open to, trying to get Step into it. Um, Animal Crossing aside, because obviously everyone loves Animal Crossing, but Persona, J- JRPGs in general, I've just never gone near. And now it's like. It's like something switched. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to try them because every, like, loads of people love them. They have to be good. And yeah, like I said, Persona 5, I've been really just, wow, the characters. It's actually really interesting. I expected them to be maybe trophy, but I'm not getting that like at all. It's interesting. Like, maybe I, I don't I watch enough anime. <laughs> Like on the on the other side of that, you're talking about not being able to get into like turn-based stuff. I feel like Persona is the one series that I've just never been able to to get into. I tried Persona Four, just just mm-hmm. couldn't do it. And I, I actually played Persona Five for a bit, and like there's so much dialogue in that game, and so much like story setup, like where you have to like escape mm-hmm. uh, from it's a, like a little prison or something that's set up at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, and you're like trapped inside one mm-hmm. of the, the dungeons and then the, there's like so much story to it until you get to like the actual gameplay that I just got, I just got bored. And like people are gonna crucify me for that it's... because Persona Five is like so loved. <laughs> like I've got so many friends who just I, I, I do I, I can I can sympathize and I can agree. Um for instance I think one of my one of my favorite games of the past year or so has been Outer Worlds, just because when I saw that it was oh a thirty hour game thirty hour game, I was like, Oh, amazing. That's that's kind of all I want. Like I don't have this much time. I mean obviously during, you know, the the times we live in now, <laughs> I've got plenty of time. But usually I don't have two hundred hours to burn on a game. But thirty hours and when I completed it, I was like, This story feels well rounded, I've got to know all the characters, it felt rewarding and yeah, it was quite nice, but 
Persona, and I do know what you mean with Persona. There's a lot of um, talking, a lot of talking, a lot of cutscenes, and then moving from place to place. But I think it's, I think for a lot of the fans of the game, that's kind of the charm that it's not necessarily just fighting mm. things. The uh, I'd, I'd probably say like a good sixty percent of the game is just getting to know your companions and like really fleshing out their backstories, which it's also kind of refreshing maybe it's because i'm used to so many games just being very combat orientated i'm quite i'm i'm happy to just sit down and <laughs> relax my shoulders and just speak to these virtual people <laughs> yeah i i think i think so um i guess that that experience then, too for persona 5 considering like you're you're basically living a life out for someone like in their social interactions too is probably needed during this uh, period of time like <laughs> yes. going out being <laughs> yeah that's school, true actually um, taking people can you take people on dates have in that random game? conversations like... yes mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah you can i'm fairly sure i haven't got i haven't got to the point where i can date anyone yet but i feel it like i've definitely seen the little breadcrumbs leading me up to date in one of these anime girls, so we'll mm-hmm. see. Well, that's something to look forward to. We'll see. Maybe I'll just choose to. Yeah, I'll just I'll just. I pine guess that can the, get me into it, like dating instead. waifus in that game. That's probably a good idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, it's it's a good pull for lots of people. And on what you said about kind of instilling that sense of normalcy, um, I've been playing World of Warcraft as well, which for my sins is just like my MMO. But I've, I think I've been playing that for 15 years now or something silly. Um, but that kind of having that online community via that has also kind mm. of been very nice to ground myself in normality. Like, oh, there are still little people out there and I'll see all these people when it's all over and we'll all have a drink together because this is just a temporary situation and we'll get through it. Um, but that game really has, because I'm, I'm part of like one of the, the guilds and it's, it's it's quite nice it's like we've actually got quite a a big lgbt representation in there so i'm kind of surrounded by my people we all get each other we like play D together so i think that game has i've needed it to survive socially without feeling like i haven't seen anyone in three weeks what's going on it just even having that kind of familiarity and like Oh, it's everything's the same. I've just got to get through this weird. I can't leave the house, and Sainsbury's has a two-hour-long queue, and we'll be we'll be fine at the end of it. I think that's a motto for the the times that we're in at the moment. Um, we're going to take <laughs> a short break, uh, so we'll be right back to talk about what's in the news. Uh, stick around. Gaming magazine is about to get a whole lot better. Become a patron of Gaming Magazine and take your love of gaming to a whole new level. We're talking exclusive content, big prizes, and a peek behind the scenes of your favourite gaming magazine with a new patron-only podcast. Plus, you'll be helping us support our wonderful freelance writers. So if you enjoy what we do and want to toss us some coin, then have we got some juicy stuff just for you. Visit patreon.com forward slash gaming mag now to check out the different tiers and what's on offer. Welcome back. I'm here with Luke and Mia, and this segment is called Best of Gaming, where we talk about our pick of the hottest articles on Gaming Magazine. Mia, what has caught your eye on gaming? Well, recently I've been uh, looking at a bunch of different articles on the site. Uh, more so, it was the uh, the Last of Us 2 uh, leaks that yes. have been happening recently that kind of caught my eye. That combined with like the uh, the data mining that's been going into Animal Crossing as well. Mm-hmm. And I just started thinking, like... Uh... <laughs> Leaks in general, like, what is your take on it? How do you feel about it? Because 
personally. Like, I, I, I hate the idea of um, leaks. Like, I got partially through that article mm. and um, I had to stop because it's like, oh, it's just presented right there. That's that's the spoiler right in, right in the, the middle of the article. So I, had, I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to skip over that paragraph and then go down to the next <laughs> bit. So, um, yeah, it's it, very I, interesting. Like, what, 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 how do you deal with that as like a, a journalist in terms of like, how does that not spoil your potential enjoyment of of the game that could release? So, yeah, I mean, there's there are different levels to this, aren't there? There's spoilers in general, whether it's TV, uh, movies, games. I'm I have to admit, on a personal level, I am terrible. Um, mm. On a sat- on a Saturday morning, I do not go out of my way. Um, I don't set out to have it spoiled, but maybe on a Saturday morning, I don't go out my way uh, to not find out who was kicked off Drag Race. Um, I'm sort of I, and, and if I haven't seen a film, I t- I part of me sort of I'm a little bit curious as to what the plot is, and, and I, I'm my own worst enemy. But as an editorial uh sort of business side of things you're right it's it's interesting we are responsible for driving eyeballs to a a website that's Mm. the nuts and that's the nuts and bolts of all of this um and to do that people uh want to read the content that we put out and the more people that read it the better we do as our jobs um so if somebody reports on uh it was amy that wrote the article uh so we'll just we'll blame her yeah blame Um, amy (laughs) If somebody reports on a spoiler, if if a spoiler put, put, put a start at the start, if a spoiler or a leak exists, the question, the first question is, do you repeat that leak? Do you repeat that spoiler? Mm-hmm. Editorially, people would find out about it from a hundred and one other sources, so they might yeah. as well read about it on gaming. Um, I think, in Amy's defense, the opening of that uh, article did say. There yeah, are spoil- there, spoilers there are spoilers within. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with reporting on that. I think um, also potentially taking actions to like, uh, I mean, warn people that avoid so avoiding social media right now or The Last of Us on social media is like probably the best thing that you yeah. can do. If you're someone like me who abhors like spoilers in general, like um, I'm glad for the warnings, but like. Uh, uh, if you want to avoid Last of Us 2 stuff right now, just go into your settings and mute those yes. words like Naughty Dog, mute Naughty Dog, mute The Last of Us. Um, you might miss out on, on some news about it, but uh, at the moment, apparently, like, these spoilers are really bad. But I don't know, you, you've, prob- you've, you've read the article fully. I haven't Absolutely. read the spoiler part. Yeah. So um, I'm assuming that wasn't too big of a deal or... Um, it was big enough. It was it was big enough of a leak mm. for Naughty Dog to then have to fast track when they were going to release it. Um, mm. Yes, they have, so, haven't they? Yeah, because that's come. It's now that they've just immediately leapt straight out the closet and sort of said, "Right, it's coming out in June." Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's like they almost went, "Oh, for fuck's sake, just have the fucking game be be, be done with it." Um, yeah, which is which is a real shame. And I think there are ethical discussions to be had, which is a different topic to do you do a spoiler if it's out there? Yeah, of course we're going to do it because it's news. Mm-hmm. Um, should it have been leaked in the first place? Absolutely not. Should Absolutely somebody? Not, yeah. And I think that's sort of what you, the second thing you mentioned there about data mining, that's that's different. I'd say that's in, different. That's definitely my, different. In, that's that is deliberately um, 
that's de- that's hacking that's deliberately mm-hmm. hacking a game to find out all of its secrets so that's on you uh, not you personally <laughs> but that, that's <laughs> oh on damn me. my hacking has been revealed <laughs> <Yeah>. oh, <no. laughs> thief animal thief <laughs> um no it, it's i think ho- however the leak happened the fact it got picked up is what caused that then to become a spoiler um but for someone to set out to actually go and break a game to go and find its secrets then that's that's for me that's that's worse that's terrible i think it's uh, definitely contextual as well based on the type of game it is if it's a a game that incredibly relies on like narrative Hmm. then i i see that as far worse as something like animal crossing which yeah Finding Absolutely. out that there is the yeah. bushes coming to the game isn't really going to like ruin anything for you. And, and what was interesting is that again, it seemed like Nintendo had their hand forced by that as well, because obviously mm. the second that that came out, um, the, the next day they're releasing a video, sort of going, "Well, hey, we're doing this update," um, and it, it basically has everything that you've been that you were told about, apart from there's a couple of interesting little juicy bits um, in that data mine that haven't materialized yet. Um, yeah, no, to do like... with. Going yeah, I don't know if I want to mention it either. Yeah, diving and stuff. Diving yeah, and stuff, like, yeah. I, I mean, that makes me incredibly pumped and excited to know that there is more content coming to Animal mm-hmm. Crossing. Um, I, I feel like, in part, like, leaks can completely spoil things for, like, the developers as well. Like, it, it steals kind of... It's kind of like stealing the thunder. It, it shits all over their work, yeah. yeah. It, it, it yeah. literally sort of, like, it's, it's their hard work completely unpicked. And I'm going to sort of throw your question over to Luke, actually, because from mm-hmm. a PR point of view... Um, yeah. leaks can be beneficial in some ways as well and, and yeah, almost I mean, can be used constructively I mean while on one hand you know I feel for the, the poor team uh, Naughty Dog that have had to have all this come out all their carefully laid plans I'm assuming have just gone to pot um, whether that's you know they put money behind something whether they you know they they, mm. they could have had certain trailers set up which now are just gonna feel like why are we bothering <laughs> like everyone yeah. knows this anyway and i can i can completely kind of empathize with that at the same time it is kind of not amazing but you've got so much more maybe you've got more coverage than you would have bargained for right you might have so much more people with eyes on it so many more people yeah. talking about yeah. it and the scandal of the situation is almost more lucrative than the what the announcement would have been anyway yeah i mean it and was the same... it was trending where before it wouldn't have been trending so exactly yeah yep. and the same with data mining we you might not want to share something but for, um, for instance, with, with Animal Crossing, with any live um, service-based games, you're always going to get these data miners who are able to, as soon as a patch deploys, they can mm. go in, unpick it, find out all the new stuff. And while you might not be ready to confirm or deny any of those things, I mean, just, yeah, again, think about Animal Crossing. So pumped, like, diving, that could be cool. Hedges, as soon as I saw that, I was already mentally picturing how I'm going to lay out hedges oh, in my town. <laughs> and it's like... And I don't even necessarily think, especially for Animal Crossing, that would have been a massive beat to put out there to be like, hey, Pedges. But almost the excitement of people going on social media, seeing like, oh, Hedges are coming out and Red is coming back and we can get all this art. That's in itself almost a good thing. Although I I think for Naughty Dog specifically, especially with, and I'm not going to go into the spoilers, but the reaction no. to the spoilers no. has yeah. proven to be yeah. quite damaging. Um, and I think should they had not 
have come out before the game was released. Me, I don't know how it's going to affect how the game does, but I know a lot of people are feeling a certain type of way. I choose not to. Yeah, I mean, react we're not going to interact about, with that. No, no, no we're not. We're not. We're not going to talk about anything at all. And, and what I'm about to say is not connected in any way to the spoiler or the okay, spoilers. <laughs> um, but people were already with The Last of Us 2 feeling a certain type of way, potentially, yes. about some things that the trailer showed um, around sort of um, lesbian kisses and, and people dying and whatever else. So it's... It, mm. it, it, people were already in a bit of a sensitive space um, exactly. around The Last of Us 2, and then the spoilers happened as well, and then that all sort of like packages together. And so that's probably an example of how not to have things working in your favour. Um, but certainly games where games that already have hype and i think there's something there's something in a real sort of human nature about knowing a secret or having a secret spoil or i know something that i shouldn't know sort of thing actually can create amazing buzz and amazing Mm -hmm. sort of hype um you've only got to look at sort of doctor who and stuff obviously the few seasons ago um where somebody sort of leaked the fact the master was back the original the john sim master as well as missy Mm -hmm. um and then that sort of basically it blew the hype out of the water for the series, but it completely ruined what could have been an amazing reveal in the yeah. episode. Because unfortunately, when you watch the episode knowing that John Sim is coming in, you see the <laughs> character that suddenly appeared that looks a bit like John Sim in makeup. Uh, oh no, look, it's John Sim. <laughs> it's mm. just like okay, so yeah. it's sort of it's a shame when these things happen. Yeah, um, I think. Bringing that back to to uh, gaming real quick, like an example I can give is like where it completely steals the thunder is uh, Elden Ring, mm. like a George R.R. Yeah. R. Martin written Dark Souls collaborative title. Imagine how that would have been received. Uh, was it E3? At E3 when it yeah. was announced. Yeah. And instead, you get like a few days to a week before you get, oh, this is happening. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, OK. But like if that had been on the stage and revealed there, imagine the reaction that would have been uh-huh. like so cool. And yet yeah, that was like taken from the developers. That was just taken yeah. from everybody. Because well, and, and, and that's it. It, 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 so. it shits all over the publisher, the developer, mm-hmm. even the PR company. Luke, obviously, we're talking about sort of... Um, setting sort of like amazing opportunities up and partnerships and, yep. and, and whatever else with, with loads of different celebrities as, and they'd have cost that would have cost a lot of money people and mm-hmm. to, to prepare a trailer or to prepare a big reveal. I mean, imagine with cyberpunk, um, if they'd, if mm-hmm. somehow the news of Keanu Reeves being in the game had leaked before Keanu Reeves came on stage at E3, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and you possibly the greatest moment at any E3 ever. Yeah, like, you spent all that money spoiled. getting fucking Keanu Reeves down to LA <laughs> <laughs> on on a stage, and suddenly it's like, oh, <laughs> it could have been ruined. But, and I, it, if if people had known that that whole moment would have been lost, and the effort and the money, uh, yeah. the money, but the effort <laughs> from the team that went into it, it's just completely yeah. gone. And I just, it just, it does just like kind of break my heart. I know how it feels to like set up these really cool moments. And if I had them like taken away from me, you just, you feel cheered. Like this, this is a kind of form of, you know, it's a creative uh, process is a creative yeah. situation. And yeah. you feel like you've just had it kind of taken away from you and, Oh, I, I just, I like I said, I, I just really feel for that team, and I really hope, mm. like you know, they can still, they've still got things to show us, and it's still going to be a success in its own right. And um, yeah, I just really hope that this will 
not be too bad for them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think this is also why uh, companies like Sony will probably like prosecute, like uh, uh, try and take legal action against like leakers and stuff because they will lo- potentially lose revenue because of this. People aren't happy with the spoilers that get leaked. Maybe they decide, well, I'm not really interested in the game yeah. now because I know what's going to happen. So, yeah, yeah, it's I'd a imagine loss gonna... of revenue. I'd imagine there's there's going to be some pretty heavy lawsuits coming around pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so good luck to anyone out there that did that. Um, mm-hmm. Luke, what have you been reading? So I have been looking at the, and I think we were going to touch on it, Overwatch's Emotion Wheel. Yes. Yes. That has kind of caught my eye with having over, different Overwatch characters be able to mm-hmm. disclose how they feel, especially the sorry emotion, which... <laughs> I find I, quite interesting. I don't think there are any other emotion other than salty in Overwatch. So, yeah, what's <laughs> what what has this emotion will got to offer? So, as as far as I'm aware, because you could obviously emote in different ways mm-hmm. in Overwatch beforehand. There's always been those, and I think with each patch, and as far as I can remember, salty is something that you can oh, really i know i know there's definitely one character that you can take out a little salt shaker and start spreading salt which honestly iconic like and it's it's the um i think it's anna so this old this old lady just takes out a little salt shaker and just like dishes out some salt um but i think i think these having this range of emotion is so interesting in these online games especially where anonymity in terms of um who you are behind a character when that when you've got that wall, you can kind of, you know, we all know online gamers uh, mm. from like League of Legends to Overwatch and CSGO, they've got these uh, less than friendly communities. The overwhelming <laughs> amounts a, of toxicity. Yes, that's, a, yeah. that's a subtle statement. Yes. Mm-hmm. Toxicity is rampant in these games. So maybe having the option to just say sorry, maybe that'll encourage people like, hey, I don't need to be like this. <laughs> I can just be a nice person. I, I can say sorry. Anything that's implemented to to like decrease those levels of toxicity in, in those sorts of games is definitely a net positive. Like those environments are literally why why I, I don't really touch stuff like Overwatch anymore. I think I've mentioned it before on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Like some of the worst online experiences that I've ever had have, have been in overwatch just from other players and interacting with them so yeah i think anything that helps to combat that is good like having the ability to say sorry especially like when you have those walls of dehumanization that are set up by by this online anonymity which is not just in video games but it's everywhere like twitter and you know Mm -hmm. it's everywhere um anything that that helps to combat that that's and make that that doesn't seem like much to add but it, it it's uh i think it's incredibly beneficial i think it's it's little layers isn't it it's little layers mm. of improvement it's little layers of um empathy and putting the human almost back into gaming um mm. to make sure that people sort of are at least have the opportunity of just sort of being polite about stuff i mean niceness in in online gaming i think is the next big challenge potentially for the gaming world um trying to break down some of all these sort of like, as you say this toxicity um yeah i feel like that's kind of been built up in in gaming culture though that you have to be the best you have to mm. be number one you have to constantly be competitive and and part of that is like crapping on other players too which which just seems to be part of this 
and I don't want to say bro culture, but like the, the, the <laughs> yeah. you know, toxic gaming culture. That's it, that's rude. It's ugly. It, head. It's strange though because I, I I find myself playing these games like I'm I've played or I am playing um, games like Overwatch, games like League of Legends and World of Warcraft, where they each have their own competitive element, and I find my I I always find myself drawn to these, um, but I personally and i like you said i feel like these these elements do bring out bad sides in people mm. but then maybe it's just me personally i've never felt the need to beat someone and then tell them like oh you're terrible or if they're on my team just be like oh you're the worst i just it's like cool everyone plays these games they will you know if i don't think this person's as good as me what why do i feel the need to tell them honestly mm. what what do yeah. i gain out of that because I don't think it's you don't gain anything you're just kind of venting frustration but then maybe you should take a step back from the keyboard and be like it's a game yeah <laughs> i'm just playing a game here this doesn't accrue me any real world benefits unless i'm you know some crazy pro player who's gonna win millions like what am oh, i no, you're what am i you're gaining? Just breaking the world now like <laughs> Yeah, I don't I know. know right? you know, like, <laughs> saying it's just a game is such a weak mindset. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the thing. I mean, we have figureheads in the gaming industry who are, are literally, like, for instance, Ninja, who are, are literally saying, like, the only thing that matters is winning. Mm. That you can't you can't treat a game as just a game. Um, and, and spreading these these potentially harmful messages to legions of, of fans who are impressionable and young like uh, i imagine ninja's fans skew quite young i mean there is there is um not that i'm turning this into a takedown on ninja or anything like that but <laughs> please you know, don't at us mm-hmm, don't don't <laughs> at me ninja in fact actually do at me ninja you know <laughs> i'll get some clout from it no um but yeah it's it's just like there is a mindset there in like the competitive scene that that all that matters is being the best. All that matters is winning. Mm. And, and I think that plays back into this whole toxic mindset of, of it doesn't really matter what you do to other people as long as you're the winner. And if you, if you don't win, there's something wrong with that, which is probably why people get salty and frustrated Absolutely. and like lash out at other players. And I think you're right. And I, I think even like I don't do online games that much purely because of, as you say, the, the sort of negative world that exists within. And I think if... And, and also, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm crap at those sort of games. Um, so, and I think that's half the issue is that you feel like you're the sort of the person that you're being, you're either being carried by this team of people that you don't know. So you have this like feeling of like helplessness anyway. And then suddenly having to sort mm. of, ha- but saying sorry or saying thank you, I, I think thank you should be on the emotion wheel as well or the, the, oh, the reaction yeah. wheel. Because yeah. if somebody has helped you, be polite say sorry say thank you um i'd love one to be like after you um and what other fun, <laughs> yeah. what other amazing emotions could you have um there it's, there it's just go and pat them on the head or something <laughs> uh, that, that that could be used in uh in mischievous okay, ways let, like, oh there not, there okay let's, okay let's not do that one. um but yeah it's uh, re- yeah. Re- reactions in and overwatch mm-hmm. and i think it's it's another good step forward but i think as you say mm-hmm. it's got a lot more steps to go I, I think it's I think it's generally uh, a positive thing, especially considering that, like in terms of like when you think about the culture war, that uh, there is a tremendous side of people, like a huge portion of people, that just think that emotions are 
possibly the worst thing. (laughs) Weak, yeah. And it's just like, uh, I mean, empathizing with somebody else isn't isn't weakness. It's just you know, it's it's being a a genuinely, uh, it's it's being a good person at the end of the day. I agree. And like, hmm. I agree. Now talking about now talking about being a good person and being uh, good for the world and society and stuff. Uh, the thing that I read today um, is an article that I wrote. So I sort of read it as I wrote it. So I'm counting that as, <laughs> as what I'm going to do. Um, <laughs> in the uh, UK, the UK games industry uh, today, this is being recorded on Wednesday. This the podcast comes out Thursday or Friday, depending which way you listen to it. Uh, starting today, the UK games industry has launched a major new initiative called Games for Carers, um, which basically has, there's over 85,000 free games available um, on this website that's only for the, you can only log into if you are an NHS worker. Um, and so as a big thank you to our NHS heroes that are literally putting their life on the line for us all in this current yeah. sort of um, coronavirus crisis, um, it's not much and it isn't, it's nowhere near enough of what you need. Um, but please, please go and log into... Uh, the website, which is uh, giveaways.keymailer.co forward slash NHS, mm-hmm. uh, the articles on, on gaming, uh, and claim your free game. Um, it helps in downtime. It means you can sort of come back from saving everybody's life and, and just unplug your brain for a couple of hours and play some games. Games are good for you. Um, but also as well, it's if you yourself are not a gamer, um, thank you for listening to this podcast about gaming because that's weird. Uh, but if you're not a gamer or or if you know someone who isn't a gamer who works at the NHS, download the game and let your kid play it. Give it to your kid or something. There's there's The, the idea that this is even a thing, I think, is testament to the UK games industry. Um, yeah. And I know they've been working hard over the last sort of five or six weeks as well about sort of stay-at-home initiatives and making sure that people have enough games to play when they're staying at home but to certainly bring this in for for our, our nhs heroes um i think it's an amazing thing so that's what i've been reading um so yeah yeah i think that's a, a fantastic thing that they're doing i've seen a lot of um like on the streaming side of things in terms of like gaming industry and, and that kind of stuff uh, people like raising money for for charities to help fight the current mm. pandemic like there's so much even in this time of darkness and and depression and and just being feeling stuck, there are so much, so many things people are doing to try and make people's lives a little bit better at the moment. Mm-hmm. And it's always nice to think about okay, even in dark times, we kind of still have each other's backs. Yeah. Besides from like Absolutely. all the crappy behavior that goes on outside of that, so. I'm really interested to see what these games are that they're giving out because I know that well, they've given the, a list of developers. The, yeah, that's it. That's the problem. Um, is mm-hmm. is yes that that they've given the list of all the the game studios and developers and stuff that are involved in all of this. But unless you actually log mm-hmm. in, are able to log into the system, um, you can't actually see what games are available. But I guess mm-hmm. that's not our yeah. that's not our sort of responsibility. <laughs> and that's not. Yeah. That's not our, it's not our place. And 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 well done to all of the people that can go and log in. Um, and please, mm-hmm. please, sort of game and enjoy. And uh, yeah, thank you to thank you to you. But I think from um, going from our, our discussion as well about toxic gamers, I think it's it's always nice to see uh, the gaming industry really just giving back and showing yeah. to you know 
external uh, outside of the game industry or outside the game world if you have no idea that we're not some the gaming industry isn't a group of sweaty teen <laughs> boys who just like to blow people up it's yeah. like no yeah, absolutely. you know what there's like this this real like we are a real industry and we're giving back and we're doing yeah. just like you know you see everyone else doing like we're we're a part of this effort too so i think it's just a really lovely initiative yeah, yeah. that's that's the one like line of thinking that i've always felt like kind of needs to be highlighted and changed like the idea that that gamer now has kind of become a dirty word in some circles where you have this toxic side of it but like for me and like so many others what we know is like these wonderful wholesome communities Mm. that come together like Mm. these these charitable actions people helping other people and just creating like good experiences within the gaming industry and uh i feel like that's that's missed by a lot of uh like i'd say more mainstream media publications i think you're absolutely right i mean this today's announcement was announced on bbc news um on the bbc news website it didn't actually make the news um Mm. but no you're absolutely right as people that work in the industry we see this goodness happening all the time uh on on there are various as you say mere charity streams left right and center there's um stuff coming up in the summer i know um which is sort of a lbt kind of streaming stuff um mm. and i know summer of pride's coming back yeah i was, again, I was tiptoeing but... around that because i didn't know quite whether that had been announced yet but hey whatever so t- so summer of pride's yeah. coming back. i don't know if i Surprise. could have, i might have well, revealed I, I, something exactly there, yeah, i was trying to help you uh, stay uh, out uh, of uh. that <laughs> never mind um <laughs> we've, we've said it it's on the record um and and, and i know that will fletcher um, a friend of sort of the magazine over, over the weekend uh, did a 26-hour stream as part of this 2.6 uh, challenge, which was meant to replace the London Marathon that happened on Sunday, uh, which is like in, instead of 26 miles, people have been challenged to do 26 or 2.6 of something. Um, and he did a 26-hour gameathon stream uh, nonstop in aid of a charity called Diversity Role Models which is about sort of sending positive LGBT role models into schools. And again, that's the power of gaming. Um, And I think a lot of people miss that. So it's good to sort of amplify it where we can. Um, So, yeah, I'm quite proud of that one. And it's also incredible to think that, again, in these times uh, when a lot of people have lost their income, um, that people are still willing to, to give part of what they have a way to help others and i think like if you do that at this point if you have the money to give to charity you're you know you're you're awesome yeah and like any encouragement to do that like is fantastic so if you can make sure you're giving to some of these charities check out you know check out twitch check out some of these charity streams see what you can do um if you have that spare income to spare and you want to help absolutely there are plenty going on very good uh don't forget you can read all these articles and so much more on gaming magazine now coming up after the break i'm joined by anna hollenrake uh but for now it's a big goodbye to mia and luke thanks so much for having me again thanks for having me pleasure pleasure uh have stay safe stay indoors etc uh and we're going to see all of you listeners after the break did you know that gaming magazine now has a discord channel Come and enjoy more chat, gossip and gameplay with your fellow gamers from around the world. Visit GamingMag.com forward slash Discord to get started. Welcome back. I'm joined by my special guest this week. It's video game artist Anna Hollenrake. Hi, Anna. Hello. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to be here. No, no, pleasure. How are you? I'm good. 
good. I'm really, really good. I'm enjoying the slightly uh, drearier weather because I get to be cozy and drink a lot of tea. So I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> what more could we want in the lockdown yeah. than tea, <laughs> tea, tea and a nice soft blanket? Exactly, exactly. Creature comforts right now, 100%. <laughs> I've got to ask the British question, actually. Um, if you have a cup of tea, what's the biscuit of choice? Oh, uh, milk chocolate digestive, 100%. Interesting. Lovely. That's weakness. nice. <laughs> yeah, uh, bourbon biscuits and chocolate hobnobs are mine. I don't like bourbons. I don't know what it is. I think it's because I went to, uh, like, a, uh, like, so, so, not summer church i can't sunday sunday church sunday sunday, sunday school. school that's it yeah um got there eventually i went to sunday school and like we would always get a bourbon biscuit and like the most watered down cup of squash oh, and it yeah. was kind of like memories of orange like dishwater and just i think it's that pavlo is it pavlovian i don't know i'm full of questions today yeah uh yeah that response um that is just assigned like miserable <laughs> like drinks and biscuits with that so it's just forever cursed for me unfortunately sure. it's stuck in your head yeah yeah as always um i like to ask our interviewees to introduce themselves to our mm -hmm. listeners so let's kick off with that yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yes, hello. I am Anna Hollenroyk. I am principal artist at Mediatonic. I've been working in games and animation for uh, just over five years, coming up to five and a half years now. Very exciting. Uh, I am primarily a concept artist, although I've worked in 3D as well. I'm generally a generalist. Uh, love working in engine too. Um, I like too many things, but I think the main thing that really appeals to me is world building, uh, making environments and characters that fit together, uh, making spaces that feel very loved and very lived in and cared about. Um, it's really important to me to make art that makes people feel good. Uh, so I really enjoy crafting those kind of things, both in my own time and in the professional work that I've done. Uh, I've worked on a bunch of different projects. Uh, specifically, I worked on Adventure Time, Pirates of the Enchiridion, uh, Lola and the Giant. I've worked on the digital version of Magic the Gathering. And then I've had some really wonderful opportunities to do art direction on things as well, uh, on Arcus Path VR, and also making a very alarming uh, but very wonderful leap into TV animation when I got to art direct the uh, CBeebies show Love Monster. So I've done a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so many. <laughs> well, uh, we'll definitely fun. have we'll definitely have a lot of chances to unpack some of that as we go along yeah, uh, in this next sort of half hour or so, which is really cool. Yeah. Now, one thing that caught my eye recently um, in MCV, which mm -hmm. for those of you who don't know is kind of like the UK games industry trade magazine, uh, they named you uh, 2020 one of 2020's 30 people under 30. No, 30 under 30. Yes, that's yes. the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah how, that's that's awesome um yeah, how did you, you. <laughs> how, yeah congratulations how did that make you feel when you found out about that oh it was really funny because i saw that it had come out and i've wanted to be i kind of like self-consciously wanted to be part of the list um for years like ever since i found out about it ever since i really started in games um but 
I kind of threw my hat into the ring, acutely aware that uh, I'm turning 29 this year, so it was like a limited amount of time uh, to get that. <laughs> this the was the moment. The <laughs> countdown clock just sounding in the background. <laughs> um, but uh, I was like, well, I'm not sure if I'll get it, because obviously I've been working, in, I've only just kind of returned to games after about a year and a half in TV animation. Um but I threw my hat into the ring. I saw that they'd come out, uh, the list. And I was like, oh, I didn't get an email. I, I guess I haven't got it. Oh, let's, let's click on it. Let's, let's have a cheeky scroll down. Oh, I don't, they're very good. Oh, that person's very good. And then it's just my face. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Uh, so that was like a very nice surprise. Um, also, the uh, quote, the... Uh, I was I was the... coming on to that one. Um, <laughs> the... the... I, I guess whoever, whoever it was that nominated you um, in the section of the magazine, for those of you again don't know, but go and check it out online. Uh, there's a little a, a little sentence or two about each person that's nominated, and something it, your one was something like, "If Anna's not nominated on this list, it makes this entire list null and void, and we have to cons- <laughs> we have to consider the sort of <laughs> the quality of the person that writes the list in the first place, or something really kind yeah. of." <laughs> It was like, um, it, it was so aggressively positive. <laughs> like it was almost threatening. <laughs> it was. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. But I feel like that's kind of, um, obviously I didn't write, that wasn't me. That would, Someone else wrote that. Uh, but I feel mm. like it, it carries Uncredited. the energy that I like to uh, carry forward, which is aggressively positive. So, yes. uh, yeah, but no, Are you that sure was you didn't... amazing. Are you sure you didn't write it yourself? Because I imagine you sort of like you could write in like, if mm. I don't get on this list, this is this list is null and void. It's appalling. And then you yeah. sort of sat there and thought, oh, that sounds a bit awkward. So you just change it to an anonymized just, kind of quote. I just make <laughs> up a bunch of like dummy email accounts and like yeah. Twitter handles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't, no, don't I mean, we all have them already? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's that's just that's that's the majority of my followers. I'm just aggressively liking my own <laughs> tweets. <laughs> Um, now if if we um let's wind the clock back all the way back to uh younger days um how how did you sort of get started in video game art where um, did that all where, where did that all originate from well i mean i've been playing games my whole life i have always consumed them whether i kind of realized that i was uh, with heavy air quotes a gamer or not um but yeah i was always fascinated by them i was always really into computers like i was very lucky that um my parents had a windows 3.1 uh so i was like very introduced to tech quite early on and because of that i was always just kind of messing around and so i was uh i I remember I tried to teach myself basic and I'd write little like choose your own adventures when I was about eight. Um, So I was always very kind of into the technology side of it. And then when I was uh, kind of maybe about 13, I discovered anime (laughs) and uh, (laughs) that was it for me. Um, So I got really into... The artist's gateway drug of choice. It absolutely is. It 100% (laughs) is. Like, um, honestly, you look at the sheer number of developers that just got really, especially artists that just got really Mm. into Neopets. Like, oh, oh, Neopets was such a gateway drug. Um, (laughs) 
but yeah, so I was very into that anyway. Um, so I got really into digital painting. Uh, I was very online just from quite an early age. And then kind of as time wore on, I began to realize that people actually made games. Uh, I remember seeing the Fable loading screen and recognizing this kind of like crystallizing moment where I was like, oh my God, someone painted that. Like, mm. <laughs> um, and kind of acknowledging that I could do that as well. So I ended up uh, studying game art very specifically, just kind of approaching it as job training at uh, De Montfort University. So I did a degree in that. And uh, yeah, I freelanced for a bit. Not, it was moderately successfully, but very stressfully. And <laughs> uh, then I got my first role in a little studio up in Chester. So, yeah. Oh, cool. Um, something you said that was really interesting about the sort of the technical side of understanding sort of games and the programming, that sort of thing, that obviously then that is markedly different. Video game art, therefore, is markedly different to uh, sort of more offline kind of art. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily, like, I don't touch code now. Mm. Um, I used to do some visual scripting, uh, which is like when you join up different nodes in a shader in Unreal Engine, for example. Um, but yeah, there is definitely uh, a technical lilt to mm. most gamer. Like, oh my God, the level of detail in uh, the kind of more high fidelity, high detail uh, games is insane. Um, like the number, of, like, there's a reason why I can't really uh, be bothered with being like a 3d artist anymore because i just don't have the patience for the sheer amount of like <laughs> uh, maps that you have to make i'm just like no nah, i just want to sit in photoshop and be a gremlin <laughs> like that's all i want <laughs> um but yeah like it's definitely it can be very very technical um but then if you're like me and really love computers and just being on them i guess like i'm quite i'm quite happy about that to be honest i don't like mess very much um yeah. like, i've never really and i don't like setting things up a really big problem for me is getting started and uh i can see all through my life all of these things that i was objectively interested in but the even the mild level of effort of like setting up like a chemistry experiment made me not want to do it. So what I'm saying is I'm lazy, but Photoshop can be opened up in two clicks. And I was already usually on the computer anyway. So like it was the fastest way to make art without having to worry about like getting paint water and cleaning up after you. I was going to say, and then when it's time to sort of pack up, it literally just closed the window rather yeah. than having to start, yeah, start a like, massive cleanup process. Like I bought uh, <laughs> some oil paints. You can, yeah, I bought some oil paints a few months back and I loved using them, but now I just have this jar of dangerous chemicals and I, <laughs> And I don't know what to do with them. And I, I don't like touching chemicals at the best of times. And so I just kind of look at it and I'm like, mm, not today. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It just stresses me out. Uh, so, yeah, um, I'm quite happy with my chemical free Photoshop. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so talk me through your creative process then. If you go from how, how do you get from sort of concept through to reality? Um, so, I mean, if I'm working on a new project, uh, like in the past, the approach that I tend to use, uh, especially if I'm working with a designer, uh, a game designer is, um, 
we'll have like this core idea and I really like to use emotive language. I think it's the way that we uh, kind of bridge a lot of communication issues mm -hmm. in terms of discipline. Um, when I was working in animation, you definitely find that it was easier to communicate because pretty much everyone working in animation can draw, even like production, like everyone's got some kind of artistic lilt to them. But in games, you've got designers, you've got programmers, you've got artists. There's such a broad scope and uh, yeah. variety of how people's brains work and the language they're used to. So the main kind of way that I find you can communicate is through emotive language. So I'm like, how should this make you feel? If you look at this environment, if you stand in this world, what are the emotions that come to the surface? And so, for example, they might say, bright or joyful or melancholic and it's like okay let's deconstruct the way that melancholy can feel visually and so you want for example a huge open sky uh it's bright but it's cold there's like a cold light to it there's maybe a few clouds but they're thin they're just trails they're wispy there's this kind of sound of wind in the distance but it's quite harsh and sharp uh you might have a couple of trees but they're isolated and alone like it's not welcoming um it's not like the big puffy clouds for example of Hal's moving castle mm. and just through using that language you can very quickly start to come up with some touchstones so once i've got my touchstones i'll also have a look at uh references because usually people will have an idea of springboards um whether they're games or uh, pieces of music or paintings uh or novels or films I gather all of that together and then I tend to be quite intuitive with it. I follow my nose a lot of the time. Like if I'm working on a project and I can just really see this character very clearly, I will draw them. Then I'll just kind of iterate and I'll just follow that feeling of, oh, this is where my taste is taking me. Um, hmm. So, for example, if I'm like, oh, I need to do some environments, but I'm in that still kind of like idea generating phase and I can just really feel this character needing to be made i'll tend to make that character and then the environment will almost grow around it um i suppose i'm a little bit wavy hands creative in that way um <laughs> but yeah i'll just start to uh, sketch and iterate and uh, there's this feeling that i get when i'm beginning to grasp the idea and the way that it's supposed to feel and then i'll be feeding that back to the designer we'll have a chat about it um and then it's just refining and following that feeling uh yeah i'm acutely aware that it's very kind of intuitive and not super um technical but uh i'll usually from that try to find like a key image that says exactly like everything that you need to know exactly what you need to know about mm. that uh, project or idea um, and so you've got elements of environment you've got uh, like an art style in there you've got characters like a kind of splash page or a splash image that you can hold up and be like this is the idea yeah uh, and then, so then there's sort of jumping off points to everything else based on that central image yeah yeah exactly yeah. cool yeah. um you mentioned earlier about uh, your tv uh 18 months in tv wasn't it yes um, yeah how how does the TV world then differ from the games world in terms of art and art direction? So, I mean, it was really interesting when I made the leap over because uh, everything, I suppose, 
when made for production is very clean there's a much clearer process and i think i found that with a lot of uh the animation side of things like just from a logic uh standpoint animation's been around longer so they've got everything down to a t um mm. so uh the processes for creating backgrounds for scenes for example have to be very carefully hammered out so that you're using the same brushes and you are um keeping consistency across the whole show um but then on the flip side it's entirely art focused like it's lovely i've learned so much about acting space and uh keeping the design and the silhouette simple so that you can really showcase the characters uh rather than just putting loads and loads of detail into a scene which i think games sometimes suffers with so uh yeah it's i suppose a more overwhelmingly artistic space but it's all very kind of structured so i suppose um i quite enjoy the real sorry there's a very <laughs> my windows are very thin um and the bin men like to arrive at 5 45 in the morning oh, uh gosh. yeah but so there's this kind of uh yeah mad reinvention and rediscovery that you find with games because mm. a lot of the time people are uh creating something completely new um there's obviously going to be uh genres and uh it's like oh is it an over the shoulder kind of camera view is it a side scroller but there's it's much harder to predict uh whilst with animation it's very art focused um and they kind of know exactly where you're going to be simply because mm. there's much more of a defined process for it well, it's the control of it as well i suppose isn't it because it's i imagine sort of tv animation is very almost linear um you're telling one story and as you say it's shot by shot by shot you know exactly what it's going to be whereas in the games world um by the nature of how games work there's always 101 different ways of, of looking at something. Um, yeah, so I think absolutely. That's, for me, it feels like TV's a more linear process, but I, I, it's interesting when you say about more artistic in some ways, um, that you can actually explore uh, a lot more of those things, like you say, around silhouettes and, and those sort of things. I mean, games are deeply artistic as well. Mm. Uh, I think it's just the uh, focus on it um, because you can look purely at the communication of the acting of the characters and uh it, it's just i suppose an easier thing to discuss um mm. and is something that naturally comes up in conversation a bit more um because obviously you've got to balance gameplay and everything else that comes with uh working in games but they're both very artistic i think it just depends on what you like to focus on um and uh, whether you like kind of the slight chaos <laughs> of games <laughs> over uh, the very kind of focused approach of animation. And of course, more recently, we've been experiencing very artistic sort of games uh, coming out. We seem to have gone through a bit more of a renaissance of some art really artistic sort of beautifully designed games. Um, off the top of my head, uh, the recent Ori, uh, Grizz, um there's been loads of sort of fun examples i mean from an artistic point of view but also then from a sort of hyper as she's mentioned earlier the hyper realism regarding sort of like red dead 2 um where each blade of grass was individually <laughs> animated on that one it's it's how do you sort of feel like video game art has sort of developed over these past few years oh i think it's amazing um 
like I think we're absolutely in the space where people are really trying to push things a bit more like we've mm. come a long way from uh what was very kind of like brown gray coffee filter realism um which is really nice uh i mean and it's it's going all the way to the top of triple a at the moment um i mean god i don't know have you played control by remedy remedy game uh, yes that was out oh, last year wasn't it I'm, yeah. yes i'm, I'm yeah. completely obsessed with it at the moment because stylistically that game is phenomenal it does so much ambitious stuff uh, in mm. terms of the use of brutalist architecture which i love like i absolutely love um in the way it uses like lighting and composition and color and these big bold shapes and then the vfx behind it are just mad and it's incredibly ambitious and does a lot in terms of like art for games that we just haven't really seen before. Mm. Um, so I'm I'm high key in love with that at the moment. Um, but yeah, God, there's um, so much beautiful art in games now. Um, and to be fair, there almost there always has been. But I think. Um, You've got this like mixture of people cleverly making games that are going to be cheaper by using clever artistic mm. techniques as well as having these huge budgets and the vision to be able to do that. Like I saw someone uh, tweeting about how the concert that happened in Fortnite recently mm -hmm. uh, that had 12 million people watching um, just in game, not even in streaming, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. It had a very very clear voice like it felt very artistically directed um it didn't feel like it was done by committee because it just oh it just had taste to it like you could tell <laughs> someone had yeah. a, a certain taste that they were really trying yeah. to convey with it um and that's amazing like that that kind of opportunity is there is really really exciting it is amazing what sort of like even the short sort of period of time over the last couple of years with the point we've got to now where people are really sort of pushing art as a form through video games as you say mm. not just with the video games themselves being art but also expressing art via the medium of games and it can only get to an even larger level obviously for the next couple of years because with uh, the next generation of consoles launching hopefully um at the end of this year um what do you think the next sort of frontier is in, in sort of art in games? I mean, I think a lot of it is going to come through rendering and lighting and that kind of thing. I, we're, it's difficult because making super detailed games is phenomenally expensive. Like mm. art for games is real pricey. Um, and to make the games with the level of detail that you see in uh, The Last of Us, uh, for example, mm. is, is unbelievably expensive. You've got these incredibly capable top of their game character artists spending months and months just on one model, um, one character. And that's expensive. Like that's that's going to be expensive. And it's finding that ceiling and the amount of diminishing returns that you start to get. Um, mm -hmm. So I feel like in terms of art, I would expect it to be more in the uh, visual effects, in the rendering. Um, I suppose in the scale rather than in the detail. Um, I would say, but this is coming yeah. from someone that doesn't have a huge amount of knowledge in terms of uh, the actual kind of 
tech side of it. So, um, yeah, hopefully more explosion, more sparkle. I would like that very much. <laughs> that's, that's always what we want in life. <laughs> now, if you weren't a video game artist, uh, what would you be doing? What would your job be? Oof. It's really funny because I very nearly didn't do art. Um, I was going to study history at university. I would have hated that so much. <laughs> I can't sit still. I can barely like sit down and read a book. Like, I, <laughs> oh my god, uh, I'm so glad that I didn't do that. <laughs> um, I feel like I probably would have gone into something that involved uh, organizing things. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if I'd have gone into um, something production-y. Uh, obviously not to do with games because that would be cheating uh, <laughs> but I could see myself doing I, I love organization I love spreadsheets um, I'm a weird artist in that way but I really enjoy kind of getting everything to flow together like I love love a yeah. pipeline um, <laughs> so I think I'd probably go into something like that where I could uh kind of help people achieve stuff so i feel like i'd mm. probably have i don't know maybe worked in like like film production or something because uh, i feel cool. like regardless i'd still be quite ambitious to do something yeah that was something kind of in the cool. creative sector <laughs> yeah. yeah uh yeah so i think something like that would have been really interesting to me that's cool let's fast forward a bit and talk about some games um what are you playing at the moment to get you through isolation Oh, I'm playing a lot of Animal Crossing, as the no. rest of the yeah. world is. Uh, yeah. Not surprising anyone. I am also playing, replaying Sayonara Wild Hearts just because I adore that game nice. so much. Um, God, what else am I playing? Of course, uh, with Sayonara, the, that's another sort of frontier, isn't it? Because that's music in game. Mm. Um, and there's, I, I know that uh, one of our writers, Ed, has a sort of absolute fascination with not just music in the game, but all, but music being the game. Yeah. So so playing, well, obviously Sayonara is sort of like written and sold as like a, a basically a pop album as a mm. video game. Yeah. Um, and I know that um, hopefully somewhere we've got that uh, uh, game coming out that's based, based that's, that's the first musical game. Mm. Um, a chorus, I think it's called. Um, yeah, that's sort of like, so music in game as well as art in game is sort of, yeah one of our sort of fascinations sorry you were talking yeah, about no, yeah. no, games that you're playing yeah yeah oh god um i i was playing a lot of control as i was saying mm -hmm. um i've been sat down playing an awful lot of mario kart i've generally just been rediscovering games that are either quite social like uh yeah. i've got a stardew valley date tomorrow actually no tonight nice. i've lost all concept of time so <laughs> yeah uh just like fun whimsical stuff where i go fast or uh gentle cheerful stuff where i go slow so <laughs> but always yeah. with other people usually yeah yeah like some kind of uh sense of connection is nice yeah that's what that's what's certainly what we need at the moment yeah um what game are you looking forward to in 2020? What game am I looking forward to? If it hasn't been affected by the mm. current delays and everything, but on paper. Oh, God. This is one of those questions where someone asks you and you can't remember what you got for Christmas. <laughs> um, what is coming out this year? This is the thing. Well, so The Last of Us 2 is out in June now. 
Oh, I'm that not. Was the, that was yeah. announced. Yeah. Cyberpunk later in the year. They're not really my kind of games, though. No, like, I I like things that are quite artsy, and I can't really think of any like particularly artsy games that. This is terrible. <laughs> I've gone completely <laughs> blank. That's appalling. Um, I'm interested in the. Um, is it Ghosts of? Tsushima? I, I, I'm not going to... If I type, if I search... I'll yeah, yeah. I've got a very loud keyboard. Cheating. Yeah, um, yeah. There's uh, also the one, um, Tell Me Why, which is the trans storyline that's done uh, by the team behind Life is Strange. Oh, that sounds amazing. No, I'm, um, yeah. That, I played uh, Life is Strange. Which I believe is artistically... Uh, obviously, Life is Strange has that nice sort of artistic sort of mm. lilt to it. Um, but add on top of that a really sort of wholesome trans storyline. Yeah. Oh god. Um, yeah. That that I'm very much looking forward to that when it comes out. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, I played through Life is Strange two recently and it destroyed me, but it was beautiful, like so yeah. beautiful. Um. So absolutely, we'll be playing that. Uh. Because yeah, just want more stories like that. Ultimately, it's important. <laughs> it's important to support. So yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure it'll be gorgeous. So yeah. Um, what plans are ahead for you personally? Obviously, after once we've gotten through the current, <laughs> the, 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 the answer to this question currently is no plans. I'm being responsible. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, my my plans are slowly crossing off days on the calendar, which I do literally <laughs> do. Like, <laughs> I have my old lady cal- calendar, which is just full of uh, pictures of like landscapes of the moors and that kind Love of it. thing. But um, I. My goal for this year was to travel. So, you know, Hmm. not doing that. But um, (laughs) I was taking a year off doing conventions because I kind of wanted to, like, replenish my art stock, I suppose. Hmm. Um, But I have a lot of, I suppose, mini goals now. Like, I really want to do a zine. Um, I really want to make some pin badges, like enamel pin badges. That's cool. I just kind of want to get in touch with, like, the uh like the more physical objects that i can create through art um this year has definitely felt like one of learning and expansion in terms of what i care about and i think i'm trying to develop the realization again that just because i can't do something immediately doesn't mean i can't do it at all um i think working in one field has kind of made me very laser focused on that and i want to uh broaden my horizons a bit and so like learning how to do new things learning how uh to like produce new art and work with new equipment and that kind of Mm -hmm. thing um so i'm not sure if it's really uh so much a focus on like uh x project or y thing it's more just like how can i uh how can i make a cute little pin badge with a sword and some flowers on it (laughs) sounds quite wholesome and just like rounding out your skills really doesn't it yeah pretty much pretty much yesterday i baked a lemon drizzle cake i haven't made a cake in a decade it's all very (laughs) exciting (laughs) um i did banana bread the other day and i've done flapjacks um and i shave and i shave my head so I've sort of ticked three off the sort of gay bingo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the gay lockdown I've, bingo. <laughs> I've got bananas. I've never made banana bread either. I've got bananas just over there that are ripe. Perfect. I'm very happy Lovely. about it. <laughs> Lovely. Um, 
let's finish off then with how can our listeners find out more about you, see some of your art, etc. Uh, sure. Well, I mean, if you want to see my art, I've got my website, which is com. I'm also on Artstation and Instagram. Uh, it's Rake, not Drake. Everyone thinks my surname has dragons <laughs> in. I regret to inform you I'm not that cool. Uh, I'm also very, very active on Twitter, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter yelling about things that I really shouldn't. Um, on there... Uh, yeah, like, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely online, so you can find me there. Um, I recently found out that my tweets have been embedded in a Tony Hawk, uh, article. Oh my God, so... I saw this, yes. <laughs> I, I did actually drunk text Tony Hawk, <laughs> <laughs> I found the text and it was just like something like, hello, Mr. Hawk. I hope you're having a fabulous day. I'm drunk and I've spilled a bunch of couscous in my bed. It's all a nightmare. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, oh my God, Anna, you're a hot mess. <laughs> I, no, I, somebody told me about this, that if you Googled your Twitter handle, um, it, it basically tells you what your tweets have been embedded into. Yeah, if you go um, to the news drop down. Yeah, and I've been beyond proud over the fact that um, a couple of northern newspapers, unbeknownst to me, like three years ago, um, it was when the first season of Bake Off on Channel 4 came on yeah. without without Mary Berry. Um, and a cu- I tweeted something about um, Paul uh, used Soggy Bottom. Um, and, and I tweeted something like, how dare Paul sort of like mis- uh, misappropriate or reappropriate uh, St. Mary's catchphrase. Um <laughs> And two newspapers picked it up and I was quoted as an irate viewer ranting about soggy bottoms. And I was like, Wonderful. yeah, actually, that, that's, that's fairly on brand. That's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, it's just kind of, it's quite, it's, it, it's, it's distilling of your personality when you look at that. And I'm like, I'm like, that's definitely distilled my personality. Someone that yeah. will drunk text Tony Hawk at one in the morning. <laughs> Yeah. Brilliant. Well, that's us, I think, in a nutshell. Um, <laughs> Anna, thank you so much for joining me. No, thank you for having me. This has been great. I'll, I'll, let, you, I'll let you go and drink and drunk text other people. Oh, I shall. Oh, I shall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the end of our episode. Uh, a big thank you to my guests, Mia, Luke and Anna, and an even bigger thank you to you all for listening. We're back in two weeks with our next episode, but in the meantime, keep up with all the LGBTQ video gaming stories on Gaming Magazine. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter so you don't miss any of these amazing stories. We are at Gaming Mag. Stay safe, stay indoors, and keep gaming. See you soon. Goodbye.